Our uh, guest preacher this morning is accompanied by his lovely wife, my inaanak. Uh, when her dad passed away, she asked me to be her stand-in dad, and of course, I readily agreed. She's one of our worship leaders in Manila, Coco Opeña Phoenix. Can you please stand so the people can see you? Her husband, who happens to be with, he, with her, no, they're here on vacation. They arrived last night, they're preaching this morning. They'll, they'll sleep as they preach because of the jet lag. Our preacher this morning um, is the assistant to the head. He's a brilliant mind, and you will see from his demeanor later on that his disciple is very effective in discipleship. His disciple is no less than Pastor Desmond Chan. So he is the head, and we want to emphasize that. Our preacher this morning is none other than his disciple. You know, in the Philippines, he has close insecurity. They are preacher. You know why he has close insecurity? He's the only one who can attest that at a certain time, Pastor Desmond really had hair. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, will you please welcome Pastor Jonathan Phoenix. Thank you, Pastor Insong. Good morning, CCFLA. My wife and I are so blessed to be worshiping with you this morning. Hey, and uh, when, uh, when my wife informed uh, Pastor Insong that we'll be dropping by on a vacation, uh, Pastor Insong did not ask me if I could preach this morning. He, he told me that I'll be <laughs> preaching this morning. I never got a chance to say yes or no, but since we're staying with him for a week, so. <laughs> right? Have, have you been to uh, Pastor Insong's uh, Love Nest? No? Yeah, yeah, you have, you have. Yeah, it's such a nice place, okay? Uh, by the way, uh, it is true what uh, Pastor Insong said. Uh, Pastor Desmond and I go way, way back. Um, he was my first discipler when he was 19 years old and I was 16. He was in college, I was in high school. And I'm the living, living witness, okay, what I have seen, what my eyes have seen, what my hands have touched. This I proclaim to you, Pastor Desmond had hair. Okay? <laughs> Wow, you really... Blessed are those who believe and not have seen. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is such a nice uh, church family. I, I, I can tell that everybody here is family. By the way, can I ask my wife to please stand up again, love? Yeah. I, I introduced my wife to, to, to people and she is so vital to my ministry because when I encounter people who refuse to believe in the grace of God, <laughs> I introduce them my wife. And they would say, wow, God is really gracious. But then I've discovered that I will have a second problem. Now they have a difficult time believing in the justice of God. <laughs> so what? Well, your wife is so beautiful. God is really gracious. But God is not merciful to her, or what? <laughs> you know, and uh, this Southern California is such a nice place, right? It's cool weather, uh, nice warm sun, and the place is clean, you know? My wife and I really, <laughs> really love it here, okay? So I don't know, is Southern California clean or only the apartment of Pastor Insong clean? Okay, so far. <laughs> Actually, my, uh, my wife and I are here to visit relatives. She has relatives in San Francisco and in Seattle. And then my brother stays in Vancouver. So we'll be going to San Francisco, Seattle, and then Vancouver, and then uh, fly back to the Philippines uh, mid-April. Okay? And then I just realized people told me in CCF in Manila that nobody takes a vacation for five weeks. No, when, when, I, when I told 
told my colleagues that I'm going to ask for a five-week vacation, uh, they said, okay, sure, you, you ask Pastor Peter. And then when Pastor Peter said, sure, go ahead, they said, he said, yes, nobody here takes a five-week vacation. Okay? So I'm not sure if I actually have a job back when I go. <laughs> so I don't know what he accepted. Is it a vacation leave or, uh, or I just got terminated? I'm, I don't know. If you see me back here in April. <laughs> but my wife and I love traveling. Actually, she loves traveling, and I just love traveling with her, so it's the same. Okay? And in our travels, we have had the opportunity to visit some of our CCF satellites, our brothers and sisters, in other countries. And um, in, in one particular country in the Middle East, uh, we've been there twice already, last year and the year before, to conduct a training. And it's an interesting country. And when, when we got there, we realized why a lot of people want to work there, why they want to build a career there. For example, in that country, they don't pay taxes. Imagine a country where you don't need to pay taxes. Now, let me clarify, okay? Because when I shared this in the Philippines, people said, so what? Here, we also don't pay taxes. No, I'm saying... <laughs> no, what, what I'm saying is they're not required to pay taxes, okay? Okay. Not only that, not only are they not required to pay taxes, the government actually gives them money. If you're a citizen you have a share in the, in, the, in the sale of oil and natural gas of the country. If you're, if you're a citizen, you have a stake in the kingdom, and when the country, when the government sells oil and natural gas, you actually get a percentage of the sale. Imagine that. You don't pay taxes, the government gives you money. Okay? Not only that, ladies, the women there have make-up allowance from the government. Can you imagine the government giving you money for makeup? I don't know if it's I know it's if, I don't know if it's so nice or if it's actually insulting. The government actually gives you money to fix yourself up, okay? No, but it's true. They said that if you're a citizen of the country and you are poor, meaning to say you don't have much, you're only dependent on the government, you would drive a Toyota Land Cruiser because you're a poor citizen. Can you imagine feeling bad about yourself because I'm such a loser, Toyota Land Cruiser? Because if you're, if you're better off in that country as a citizen, I'm not talking about the overseas workers, but the citizen, you would drive an American SUV or one of the uh, sports cars. You know, uh, if you watch Transformers, the, the Camaro, the one that transforms to Bumblebee, I've seen all possible colors of the Camaro in that country. Okay? So it's a, it's a regular thing. When uh, our host there took us uh, walking around the mall, uh, we were walking down a, a long hallway in the mall, and I was wondering, what's that I see on the marble floor, or in, embedded in the marble floor? And then I realized that they actually decided to decorate the, an entire hallway of the mall, embedding the marble flooring with gold nuggets. C can you imagine? Gold nuggets embedded on the marble floor of the mall. Like I was asking, when does the mall close? And <laughs> I mean, you'd like, you'd like to stay behind, right? And figure out a way how to get the gold nuggets from the floor. See, that country is so rich, so wealthy, that even if you're not a citizen, even if you're an overseas contract worker, Compared to the to the well, to, compared to, to the Philippines, where it's it's really hard to, to to make a living, the people go there because they're they're hoping for a better life, and they do they do get a much much better life than than the life that they would have in in the Philippines. Okay, um, a, a security guard in the mall in that country would be paid as if he was a, a white-collar worker if, it's, if he, he was in the Philippines. See, that's how, that's how wealthy the country is. And yet, a lot of people in CCF in that country would say that 
they really appreciate having a, a church there because in spite of the benefits that they are experiencing in that country, that they still felt that there's a, a need, a vacuum that needs to be filled. Many of them did not become a follower of Jesus until they met some of our brothers and sisters in, in CCF, in that country. Interestingly enough, they, they go to a non-Christian country and that's where they meet Jesus Christ. You know why? Because they realize that even if the externals of life are better, it still doesn't mean that is a great life. Recently in, in CCF in Manila, we've been talking about what we call the overflowing life. Now, what is an overflowing life? It's a life that is not empty but full, not meaningless but meaningful, not directionless but directed, not purposeless but purposeful, not disappointed but delighted, not frustrated but fulfilled, not pessimistic but positive. A life that is overflowing in the sense that if somebody were to go up to you and say and, and, and ask you the question, are you happy? You would really be able to answer that question. Do you know the question, are you happy, is one of the most difficult questions to answer because it's not asking whether you're feeling good right now. It's not asking whether things are fine at this moment. It's asking if you would consider your life at that point so far as you have lived your life, if your life is what you would consider meaningful and fulfilled. And a lot of people cannot answer that question with an affirmative. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're young, you're old, you're a student, you're working, you're single, you're married. When you're asked the question, are you happy in life? It doesn't even really matter if you're a churchgoer or not. Many people fail to answer in the affirmative. What is an overflowing life? It is not a life free from problems, difficulties, pain, sadness, or negative circumstances. But it is a life that is described to be happy enough that it will spill over to others. Have you, have you ever met people who are so happy in life that it's contagious? But have you ever met people that are so unhappy in life, you feel like they're sucking the life out of you? <laughs> like you were doing fine before you spent a minute with them. But after like one or two minutes conversing with them, it's like... What's wrong? See, an overflowing life is a life that's so happy it spills over to other people. It can be described as a thankful life because a truly, truly thankful person will naturally want to give happiness to others. Have you ever had a bad day to the point that, that whether you admit it or not, your goal that day was to make somebody else unhappy? <laughs> Have you ever had one of those days? It's such a bad day, you're just looking to, to, to see if you can make somebody else as miserable as you are. But have you ever had such a, a wonderful day that one of the things that you want to do that day is to make other people feel how wonderful life is? You see, an overflowing life is what God desires each one of us to have. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, life to the full. Many people misunderstand Jesus. People think that Jesus came to control their lives and restrict it and make it boring and un unhappy. But Jesus said, I have come so that your life would be full. Even as a teenager, Jesus came not to take the fun out of your life, but so that you can live a full teenage life. I understand you just finished a series on the Ten Commandments, right? Now, the fact that you're still here means that it was a good series, right? A lot of people are, are allergic to the Ten Commandments because they misunderstand it. They think the Ten Commandments were given to restrict them. And many people don't like rules, right? I don't know here in America, well, most of you are largely Filipino-Americans, right? But uh, I don't know if the, the rules change in the United States. But in the Philippines, you and I know that when you put up a sign that says you cannot do something, that's when people love to do it. Is it the same here? 
You don't put up a keep off the grass sign, nobody steps on your grass. But the moment you put keep off the grass sign on your lawn, everybody's stepping all over it. My mom, my mom had a, a small school supply shop years ago. And uh, she was irritated by, by a number of people, strangers, just hanging out outside her store and smoking. So she put up a, a huge no smoking sign. So they stopped standing outside her shop smoking. They, they sat down just below the sign, okay? <laughs> now it became a regular hangout for them, okay? So people don't like rules. But the Ten Commandments was not given to restrict us, it was given to protect us. Can you imagine a society where adultery is okay? Where taking somebody else's property is fine? Where dishonoring your parents is the thing to do? Can you imagine a society like that? I mean, we, we object to rules, and yet, come to think of it, the Ten Commandments is a protection so that society can, can, can live a fulfilled existence. But that all starts with trusting in the one true God. Now Jesus came so that we will have the full life. But how come many people are not overflowing but dry? How come many people are not overflowing but dry? How come many people come to church hoping that after church they'll be overflowing but instead they, they, they feel still dry. In fact, they, they make their seatmate feel dry. Okay? They suck the life out of, of, of another worshiper. How come that happens? Are you filled to overflow or are, are you failing to overflow? How can we avoid spiritual dryness? How can we avoid spiritual dryness? I'd like to share two verses or two key main verses with you this morning as we tackle this idea of an overflowing life. And these verses are found in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Now, everywhere I go, this is what I've noticed. Everywhere I go, any country, any church, everywhere I go, I notice that the women read the scriptures so much better than the men. When the women read it, it's worship service. When the men read it, it's funeral service. I don't know why, okay? But, but I am hopeful that the men in CCFLA are different from the rest of the men in the world. Okay? When the men in CCFLA read the Bible, read the scriptures, even the angels stop what they're doing to listen. Okay? So I would like to ask the good-looking gentlemen here, to read this, this passage, uh, this is my guideline. The more good-looking you are, the louder you should read, okay? The, the, your volume should be in proportion to your good looks, okay? Okay? So Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, gentlemen, 1, 2, 3, go. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Okay. I said, read, not shout, okay? <laughs> and then, and then some, some of you started, started uh, reading and then uh, your seatmate elbowed you and said, the pastor said only good looking, okay? <laughs> All right, gentlemen, again, one, two, three, go. Okay, I, I'm sorry, it's my fault. I forgot to say all together, okay? <laughs> Gentlemen, one, two, three, go all together now. Why don't we come to the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you for this morning's worship time. We thank you for your word to teach us, to heal us, to inspire us, to move us. Father, set aside my limitations, and through your Holy Spirit, just speak to us from your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, and we have a very simple point. 
How can we avoid spiritual darkness? It's very easy. See, our, our message only has one main point, and that is stay close to Jesus. The passage we read is rich with truth and meaning. But the bottom line there is that if you and I would want to have the overflowing life, if you and I want to avoid spiritual darkness, then we need to do one thing. That is to stay close to Jesus. Now, that's so simple, but it is easier said than done. So how can we stay close to Jesus? How can we stay close to Jesus? Our passage says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him, and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow in thankfulness. The passage says, Just as you accepted Christ Jesus, as your Lord. Now, Christ is Greek, Messiah is Hebrew. It means the anointed one, the one chosen and appointed to save. Jesus here is the historical first century Jewish carpenter from Nazareth who was born of a virgin. He lived for over 30 years and then was executed on the cross. He then rose from the dead on the third day. And Lord here does not only mean master or ruler, but it is the title of God himself. What the passage is saying is this, accept Jesus for who he is. Accept Jesus for who he is. A lot of people fail to have the overflowing life. A lot of people go to church, but they are spiritually dry because a lot of us have failed to accept Jesus for who he really is. We have our own safe versions of Jesus. Like I know back home in, in, in the Philippines, a lot of people, they love the baby version of Jesus during Christmas. Right? A lot of people love the baby ver version of Jesus. You know why? Because the baby Lord Jesus is non-threatening. Right? You see him every Christmas. Right? You enjoy the holidays. You focus on gift giving and the bonus and the shopping and the vacation. And the baby Jesus is non-threatening. But a lot of people would like Jesus to remain a baby. They don't like the Lord Jesus. Because the Lord Jesus is the one that wants to be involved in their lives. See, a lot of times, we think that we are true believers in Jesus just because we tolerate Him. Do you know there's a difference between accepting and tolerating? Now, young people here, okay, let's say somebody is, somebody likes you, and you like the person back. Okay? And then, uh, you, you invite the person to your home to meet your parents. And your parents do not necessarily approve. But, but they don't want to, they don't want to, you know, disappoint you. They don't want, they don't want you to feel that they're so strict. So they don't really say anything. They don't really say anything. They try to talk to you. They give you hints, you know, over breakfast. They talk about something else. Right? Or they like another guy for you. And then you just notice that on the milk carton, there's a photo of another guy. <clears throat> you know, I, I had a church mate before in my previous church. Um, his mom didn't like his girlfriend. So what the mom did was to put a picture of the woman that she likes for her son beside her son's uh, bedside table. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you're the girlfriend? Right? So your parents might not, might not really be in favor of the, of, of, of the guy you're with, but they, they don't necessarily want to make a huge deal out of it. But you know that they're simply tolerating. Right? They're waiting for your relationship to fall apart, and that's when they, they show you how glad they are that it didn't work out. Okay? So that's not acceptance, that's tolerance. And a lot of times, many people who go to church 
we don't really accept Jesus. We just tolerate Him. We just tolerate Him. We don't accept Him for who He is. We don't em embrace Him for all of the claims that He has. But when we encounter problems, we blame Him. We expect Him to solve our problems and issues and concerns, but we have failed to actually follow Him for who He says He is. Look at what Colossians says. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is first in everything. For God, in all His fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. See, the Bible clearly teaches that there is only one God. He is, this, this, he is three distinct but equal persons. The Father is God. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. They are one God, not three gods. They are equal in nature, power, and glory, but different in roles and in function. See, if you and I are to have an overflowing life, if you and I should avoid dryness in our lives, then we need to accept Christ for who He is. A real historical person, but more than a human being, God in the flesh. And we should not just tolerate Him, we should fully embrace Him. We should fully embrace Him. Now, have you, have you ever felt simply being tolerated by some people? Like you have a friend who's good friends with another group, you got introduced to the group, but the group for some reason don't really like you that much. But you still tag along because you have a mutual friend, but you just feel tolerated, you're not really embraced. See, they won't be able to fully appreciate your friendship. You know why? Not because you don't want to be their friend, but because they have closed their doors on you. You're there, but you're simply tolerated. If you and I want to have the overflowing life that only comes from a relationship of Jesus, with Jesus, then we should embrace Him, not just tolerate Him in our lives. Now, if we have already fully accepted Jesus, what then should we do? The Bible says we must continue to follow Him. A true believer in Jesus will also continue to follow Him. To follow Jesus is not only to learn about Him, it is to personally know Him to the point of being like Him in both character and purpose. A true follower of Jesus will eventually help others know and follow Jesus as well. This is what the Bible calls discipleship. See, we say that Christianity is essentially a relationship. We talk about it that way, but we don't really live it out in that sense. And I suspect that the reason why we have a difficult time with living out Christianity as a relationship with Jesus Christ is because we also have difficulties in our relationship. We have difficulties in our relationship. We, a lot of times we, with our families, we live together in the same house, but we don't really have a relationship. We don't really have a relationship. That's why you would hear people, they're so scared if all of their children move out or if all of their children marry out because husband and wife married for over 30 years feel that they have been living with a stranger. Why? Because they said their vows 30 years before. They started off well, but they did not nurture the relationship. But in human relationships, it takes two. In our relationship with Jesus, it's never a problem with Jesus. 
if you feel not close to God, guess who moved away? Not God. So if we really, if we really have accepted Jesus, we should continue to follow Him. That's the reason why, instead of saying we ought to be Christians, we say we ought to be followers of Jesus Christ. Not only that, we ought to be committed followers of Jesus Christ. We need to continue to follow Him. Oftentimes, we, we read a Bible story and we're so amazed at a certain angle of the story. For example, John chapter 6 is quite popular because it is where Jesus fed the 5,000. Actually, he fed more than 5,000 because the passage says 5,000 men. Okay, now, I don't know if church during that time is the same as church now because if there are 5,000 men in church right now, there will be 10,000 women, right? Because usually two-thirds of church attendants are, are, are women. So Jesus could have fed 10 to 15,000 people plus the kids. Okay? Now, can you imagine coming to church where the preacher actually is able to multiply food. You bring in one, one big pizza, you know, and we say grace, and we just keep on distributing the slices, and everyone gets their fill. Now, we often take John chapter 6 as a passage that says, what little that we have, five loaves and two fish, Jesus can take and multiply it. Which is true, that's true. But you know what we fail to see in that passage? It's the, the thousands of people that were fed, that were blessed, that witnessed the miracle, they abandoned Jesus. In John chapter 6, verse 66, it says, From that point on, many of his followers no longer followed him. You know why? Because Jesus said that more than the physical food, more than the material blessings, he said, I am the bread of life. If you really want to be satisfied in life, you're going, to, you're going to get hungry again, even if I keep on multiplying the bread. But if you partake of me, if you really have a relationship with me, if you really want to be with me, then you will have life satisfied. And what did the people say? What did the people who ate the bread, what did the people who witnessed the miracle said? They said to themselves, this is such a difficult teaching. Who can accept it? And from that point on, many who used to follow him no longer followed him. People say, God, if you're going to show me a miracle, I'm going to follow you. And yet many times we read in scripture and we know in real life, even if there was tremendous miracle in your life, you won't necessarily actually follow Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's not what God can give you, although he can give you a lot. It is having a real relationship with God. I, I, I had a friend in my previous church, and, and, and he was a happy guy, and he always had a lot of friends. But one time, I saw him Sunday afternoon, and then he, he was really, really sad. And I asked him, uh, what, what are you doing here in church? You usually go out with some of the other young people after church and he said you know what i discovered all this time i don't really have much friends in church and i said what do you mean you see i own a car he's a college student and he drives his own car and of course a lot of other young people who ha don't have their own car likes to hang out with him after church but that sunday another college kid brought a van And guess what? <clears throat> Not only did they prefer to ride in the van, because more people can, can hang out together, but they, don't, they didn't even invite my friend to join them. And he said, all this time I realized that they were just hanging out with me because I was the designated driver. Now that somebody has a bigger vehicle, they don't even bother to ask me to follow. And that was really, really such a terrible time. You know why? Because I wanted to hitch a ride with him home. But then, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But he lived nearby my house. Oh I'm, oh, I'm sorry about that, you know. Like, I ended up commuting because I didn't want him to feel like I was riding with him because we lived near together. But, you know. So question, are we, are we following Jesus Christ? 
See, if we have really accepted Him, we should follow Him. Now, here's the question. How can we continue to follow Jesus? It's easier said than done, right? How do we continue to follow Jesus? The passage says, let your roots grow down into Him. Now, what does that mean? The Bible, Paul, who wrote this letter to the Colossian Christians, uses an agricultural uh, illustration, okay? Or uh, horticultural uh, illustration. He talks about plants being firmly rooted. What does this mean? It means to know Jesus and to focus on Him and only Him. In chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, it says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. If you want to continue to follow Jesus, you and I need to be rooted in Him. That means we need to know Him. We need to focus on Him and only Him. The problem is there are so many distractions, just like in any other relationship. Now let me ask, how many singles are here? Singles. How many singles who plan to get married someday? Yeah. Oh, come on. Okay, okay, I understand if you're avoiding somebody here and you don't want them to see your hand raised. Oy, she wants to get married someday. Okay, I understand. Okay. Who among you are married here? Married. Yeah. Please raise your hand if your spouse is here. I don't want to cause problems. Okay. Now, singles, listen, listen up, singles. Married people here knows that growing in a relationship is not automatic, right? And so many things can be a distraction. Do you know that a date can become a distraction in a marriage relationship? You know how it can become a distraction? When the husband has a different idea of what a date is. For me, a date is doing something together. Going out, watching a movie, eating some, uh, in, another, in, in a restaurant you haven't eaten before, doing something together. But after a year of being married, I've been married three and a half years, but after a year of being married, I discovered that for my wife, a date is just sitting, facing each other, <laughs> and talking about our feelings, and our past, and our future, <laughs> and our dreams. <clears throat> well, it's cheaper. So I'm okay with that, right? <laughs> it's cheaper, I'm okay with that. But going out on a date, watching a movie, can be a distraction for me and my wife. So, he, so, so all along I've been thinking, oh, I'm such a good husband, I take my wife out on a movie date every week, but she feels like my husband doesn't really have time for me. What are you talking about? You know, because many things can distract us from a relationship. Gadgets are distracting. Okay. Men, men, I think you and I have already discovered this. Women are the only creatures that consider Apple products as a rival. Right? Okay. It's true. But you know, they have a valid point. They have a valid point, okay? Because whether it's a TV or an iPad or an iPhone or whatever mobile device, it's a distraction in the relationship. And, and as a guy, I, I was really oblivious to that. I was thinking, I'm with my wife most of the time, a lot of times, almost every day, practically every day. And then there will come a time that she will tell me, you don't spend time with me. What are you talking about? We don't relate anymore. What are, what are you talking about? You know why? Because in the midst of being together, we're not really together. <laughs> okay, okay. Husbands, I apologize. It's meant to be an illustration about us and Jesus, okay? But if you need to work something out, please do. Okay? I'm... I'm 
I'm learning husbandry myself. No, but seriously. But in our relationship with Jesus, it's much the same, right? We have our devotional books. We have our uh, praise and worship music. We have our favorite preacher on, on, on podcast. And all of those things are well and good. We have our ministries. Okay? But do we really spend time with Jesus as in knowing Him? Do we really do that? See, married people can drift apart in the midst of spending time together because they're not really focused on each other. Followers of Jesus can drift apart from a relationship with Jesus, not because Jesus doesn't want to have an intimate relationship, but because so many other things distract us. Even the work for the Lord distracts us from spending time with the Lord. And it's so tragic. Even the people who serve in church are the ones that are longing to have time to worship. But you're the one serving in church. How come you're not experiencing worship with the God that you are serving? See, we need to focus on Him and only Him. It doesn't mean that we cannot add other stuff, other good stuff in our spiritual walk. But it means that we should not let other stuff take the place of spending time with our Lord Jesus Christ. We should not replace spending time with Him with church activities, even though church activities are good. We should not replace spending time with Him with listening to our favorite speaker or preacher or reading our favorite Christian book, although those things are good. We need to focus on the beauty that is Jesus Himself. You know, I have a friend. He used to go to church. He became an agnostic. And, and he was saying a lot of criticisms about Christianity. But I asked him, Did Jesus ever do you wrong? Did Jesus ever do you wrong? And he said, Well, you know, not really. But I don't even believe that he exists anymore. See, the problem is that the Christianity he knew was all, all peripheral. He wasn't rooted in Jesus. So if we want to follow Jesus, we need to be rooted in him. Second, the Bible says, let our lives be built on him. What does that mean? Grow in Jesus. Think of and do things based on what you know to be true of Jesus. Build your life on Him. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come and Christ Himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. We are to build our lives upon Jesus Christ. We are to think of things and do things based on what we know is true of Jesus. But oftentimes we build our lives on on everything else except Jesus. For example, if you came to the states because you're pursuing a dream and you're building your life around that dream, what happens now if your dreams are not realized? Then your life would fall apart. What if you're in a relationship and you have built your life around that person? What happens when you lose that relationship? Then your life will fall apart. What the Bible is saying is our lives should be built on Jesus. Our lives should be built on who He is and what is true about Him. What is true about Him? Now to explain this further, let's take a look at the result. What happens when we stay close to Jesus? It says our faith will grow strong in the truth we were taught. Now, what does that mean? 
Faith is trust. A strong and growing faith means that you are able to trust Jesus more and more, learning to defeat doubt and being more convinced, assured, and rested. The Bible says you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news, the good news that has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. When I was a new follower of Jesus, I trusted in Jesus to provide me transportation. Now, what do I mean? I lived, for those of you who are familiar, I lived in the residential area of Cubao. And the jeepneys will be already full by the time that they reach my place. And I was commuting to school, so it was difficult to get a ride from where I lived. So the choice was to commute to Cobao and ride the jeepney there going to school or to wait and risk being late for school because most of the jeepneys were already full by the time that they passed by our place. So as a new believer, I would pray, Lord, please provide me a jeepney to school. I don't want to be late. At least one, one, one seat that is just for me. And I've learned that when we pray, when we ask, then God provides. You know, sometimes so curious, somebody will get on the jeepney in Cobao and only, what, less than a Less than two kilometers away, or a little over a kilometer away, will get off where, where I live. And I would get in, and I would get a ride to school. See, as a high school student, I learned to trust God when I'm commuting. Later on in life, I learned to trust God for more things. I learned to trust God for my love life. I learned to trust God for my love life. You see, I let go of a relationship back in 2002. I was already a youth pastor at that time and when, I, when I pursued a relationship with a the, with the churchmate. And I told her, if you don't want to marry a pastor, then let's just be friends. But, well, she also fell in love with me and, and we were in a relationship for two and a half years until I finally realized that while she loves God and, and she serves God and the relationship was okay and, and we were not really doing anything wrong, her direction in life was so different from mine. Okay? And as, as, the, as we were boyfriend and girlfriend for two and a half years, she started suggesting the idea that, that after we get married, I could just be a volunteer in church and I could go and work for her dad. Which is fine, because you don't need to be a full-time pastor to serve God. Right? However, the, here's the problem. I was convinced that God's will for me was to serve Him full-time as a pastor. And the only reason why I was open to not doing that was because I was in a relationship with somebody who had a different direction in life. And I had to let the relationship go. You know, it's so difficult because... It was in a church of 500 people. In a church of 500 people, everybody knows who's in love with who, and everybody knows if they're together, and everybody knows when they're no longer together. Another thing, this is, this is even worse, okay? My churchmates largely think that I was the quote-unquote lucky person in the relationship. Have you ever been in a relationship where everybody thinks that you got the jackpot and... So everyone's saying, what in the world are you doing? Why did you let that relationship go? And I wanted to be a gentleman, and I didn't want to tell the, the real reason. I didn't want to tell people that because she's trying to convince me not to be a pastor anymore. And I didn't want to paint a negative picture of her because I wanted to be a gentleman. But everybody was, was making me feel bad about it. But I knew that it was the right thing to do. I remember when Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, was showing in the Philippines. It was Holy Week. And on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, my friends and I went out to see the movie. And of all the movie, of all the malls in Metro Manila, and of all the movie houses in that mall, guess who happened to be watching 
the passion of the Christ in the same cinema. My ex-girlfriend. And guess where she was seated? Right in front of me. So as they were flogged, as the movie was showing Jesus being flogged and crucified and people were crying, I was crying too for all the different reasons, you know. <laughs> because what had happened was she got over me before I got over her. Right? Because she, at that time, I, was, I didn't fall out of love and let go of the relationship. I was still in love, let go of the relationship. Because I was trusting in God that what His plan is, is so much better. And in fact, my encounter with God was not about a better plan. He's saying, so who do you love more, your girlfriend or me? And I said, that's not fair, God. Of course I love you more. Then you know what you have to do. But you know, I let go of that relationship April of 2002. You know what I didn't know what was happening in April 2002? Was a young, young lady on her fourth retreat, on her fourth retreat, finally surrendering her life to Jesus as her Lord. See, it was not until, what? Ten years later, when we were already married and we were talking about our relationship with Jesus, and then, she, and then I asked her, so when did you really commit your life to Jesus Christ? And she said, April 2002. You know what I realized? That was the same month and same year that I said, Lord, you know, I'm sorry about the last two and a half years because I've been trying to fool myself that I could keep a relationship and still follow you. And I let go of that relationship. Now, I didn't know that the love of my life, the most beautiful woman in the world, was being prepared by God. And she didn't know. <laughs> she didn't know what she was doing. <laughs> she didn't know what she was in for, okay? <clears throat> right, the, the illustration kind of broke down there. But you get my point, right? But how was I able to give up a relationship? It wasn't because I believe in Jesus yesterday and the following, and today I'm giving up a relationship. It was because for several years, I've been learning to trust Jesus more and more. When Jesus Christ was starting to, you know, before I became a Christian, I was a principled sinner. I was a principled sinner. I had, I had principles. For me, in high school, you can cheat if it's a surprise test. <laughs> it's not fair. The teacher didn't say anything. So you can cheat if it's a surprise test. But if it is an announced exam, you should have studied. Come on. It's not right to cheat. So before coming to faith in Jesus, I was really a self-righteous, principled sinner. I had my own standards. When I became a believer, I could not have that anymore, right? So what? I had to trust Jesus that I study and he'll do his part to help me. Right? So those things in life where you learn to trust in Jesus more and more, eventually you would encounter a huge, huge decision in your life. And you'd be pleasantly surprised that you'd be able to entrust these things to Him. Now, my wife and I are continuing to learn to trust in Jesus. See, I'm a full-time pastor. My wife is a full-time housewife and a full-time pastor's wife and a full-time businesswoman. Okay, so she has three roles. And uh, we, we said when, when, we, when we agreed that she would start uh, her own, the reason why she started her own business was because her, her schedule in the corporate world was not conducive to being a pastor's wife. So she had to give up that and uh, then she started a business. And we said that the business would glorify God but by we will do everything right. We will take care of the staff. We will pay the government everything that we owe the government. 
and it has not been easy. Over the last two and a half years, it has not been easy. In, in, in fact, one of, the, one of the causes or reasons for anxiety before we left the Philippines to take this vacation was that can we afford to leave the business for five weeks knowing that there are a lot of stuff to be taken care of. So we're learning to trust in Jesus. We've been trying to have a baby for the last three and a half years. And part of the agenda for this vacation is to, to, to rest so that we could, by God's grace, start a family. We're asking God for a child, but we also need to take responsibility to take time off to have a baby. Okay? So I don't know if our baby will be made in LA, made in San Francisco, <laughs> made in Seattle, or maybe he or she will be a Canadian citizen. I don't know. Okay? Right? You want to name the boy Lorenzo? If he's big? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. The terrible idea. I'm sorry. I like the name, but <clears throat> Lorenzo, Lorenzo Phoenix sounds nice, right? So we're learning to trust in Jesus. Now, how can we trust Jesus? For that, if we've not been trusting Jesus all throughout the, the years that we've been following Him. So trust Him. Last but not the least, the Bible says, Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Gratitude is an attitude that leads to action. Look at what the Bible says. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Can you imagine being able to do this? When we come together, we are able to teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing, we are able to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever we do or say, we, we can do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to Him, living grateful lives. Can you imagine being able to do this? See, the only people who can live the overflow life is that they have embraced Jesus for who He is and they have continued to follow Him. Not because salvation can be earned, but because salvation should be manifested in our life. So how do we stay close to Jesus? We accept him for who he is. We continue to follow him. How can we continue to follow Jesus? We need to know him. We need to grow in him. And what happens when we stay close to Jesus? Our faith will grow strong. We will learn to trust him more. And we will overflow with thankfulness. Our gratitude. To close, let me just share with you a story that a friend of mine told me. See, I have a friend and uh, he was invited to, to preach in an urban poor church. And before his message started, there was a testimony time where anybody and everybody can just stand up and share their testimony. Now, one of the, one of the members of the church, a really poor old guy, stood up and he said, I would like to thank God that it rained last night. Because it rained last night, I finally was able to take a shower. And he says, I'm a newly showered guy, and I can come to church clean. Can you, can you, can you imagine somebody thanking God that it rained so that he could take a shower? He also said, I thank God because of the rain, I was able to boil some water, and I had something hot to drink this morning. Can you imagine going to a church where that's the testimony? Can you imagine being thankful to God for the rain? So my friend went, went, uh, went up to preach and after the message, so people were thanking him for, for the message. And uh, as before he went, uh, before he left, the old guy who shared this testimony ran after him and said, I want to thank you for sharing God's word this morning. And as they shook hands, my friend said he felt that the old man was trying to give him something. 
And then he realized it, so he said, no, uh, Grandpa, no, no thank you, it's okay. And the old man insisted. And as my friend went home, he said that what he saw in his hand, what the old man gave him, was a very old, very crumpled, very dirty 20 peso bill. And he said, he didn't know how to react to it because he said, that's probably the lowest but the most precious honorarium that he ever got. Because he can't imagine how an old man who would thank God for the rain to take a shower and to have something hot to drink could actually bless him with that. And, he, and he, when he saw the eyes of the old man insisting that he should take the gift, he said, I couldn't refuse. I couldn't refuse because he was just so overflowing with gratitude that he just wanted to bless people. Are we filled to overflow or are we failing to overflow? How can we avoid spiritual dryness? Let's stay close to Jesus. In closing, brothers and sisters, I would like to remind everyone that it is not about Christ Commission Fellowship. It's not about CCF. I know many of you love your home church CCF and you're here because you, you, you love CCF. And we praise God for that. But it's never about CCF. The reason why we gather together, not just on Sundays, but on the weekdays for small groups, is not because we want to form cliques or barcadas, but because we want to encourage each other to be rooted and built around Jesus. And if you're in a small group, the reminder for your small group this morning is let the small group be about Jesus. Let it not be about the small group leader. Let it not be about the agenda of the people going to the small group. But let it be about Jesus. For those of you who, who came to the States pursuing a dream, or maybe it's your family's dream and they just drag you along with them. And I know some of you feel that it's not within your control. But even that should be about Jesus because wherever life takes you if Jesus is truly at the center of our lives then we would be grateful we would be grateful see you guys are so blessed but everybody in the Philippines are also so blessed every follower of Jesus is so blessed the problem is not that we're not blessed the problem is that we fail to realize it because we miss out on our one true God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we are centered on him, then we will be filled to overflow. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you. I personally thank you for an opportunity to fellowship and to worship with my brothers and sisters here. Me and my wife, we are so thankful for this experience because we see with our very eyes that wherever we go, you are the Lord of everyone who follows your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to each one here. I know, Lord, that life in the States is not all that easy. There are a lot of people who have misconceptions of what moving to the United States really means. And I know that many of my brothers and sisters here have challenges, have concerns, have dreams. They also have doubts. I pray, Lord, that in the midst of these things, that it will be about, about Jesus, as it should always be. Father, I pray that CCFLA will not be known for anything other than that Jesus is really present here. And not only as they gather in this place every Sunday. But Jesus is really so evident and pres present in their lives that everybody that they encounter cannot deny the fact that each one here has been walking with Jesus. I pray for the young people here, Lord. I know that they have many choices in life, and I know many of those choices will, will take them away from Jesus. I pray that you would hold them firmly in your hands. And I pray that they would make the right decision 
that their decisions would not just be to listen to their parents, although that is wise, but their decision would be to honor Jesus in their lives, especially as they are young. Father, I pray for families here who are still adjusting to life here. I pray, Lord, that not only will you provide them a good, stable family situation, but their family will be a light, a beacon that shows the grace and the truth of Jesus in this place. And I just pray for the leadership of this church. I thank you for their sacrifice. I know that they are serving you, not for gain. I know that they are serving you because they have fallen in love with you and that their love just simply overflows to others. I pray that you would protect them from the enemy. And I pray, Lord, that they would indeed continue to be filled to overflow. Bless your people, O Lord, but most especially enable us to bless you by walking with you and just loving you in our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.